Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to episode uh, 191 today of Level Up. 60 minutes, of course, of live Q&A where your questions really do drive the show. If you're watching on YouTube, then please, you can find much more about what we do in our channel. So do give this video a like, if you wouldn't mind, and subscribe to find out more. It doesn't cost you anything, and it really does help others to find the content. So please do do that. Thank you so much. Ella is over in the social chat. So let her know your name, please, and the city and the country from where you're joining us today. She's going to be posting links into the chat so that you can vote up the questions that you'd most like answered. And of course, for you to be able to add your own as well. If your question is selected, then your name is going to appear in the credits at the end of the show and quite rightly too. So do get those questions in early and stay with us to see all of that happening. Projects, of course, are all about getting things done. And the Project Management Office is a key element of that delivery capability, making sure that things are done right, of course, and importantly, that often the right things are getting done. So it's a great place to work in an organisation, especially for those who want to help make great change happen. So how can you build your career as a PMO specialist? Helping us figure all of that out today is a truly great panel. So let's jump over and meet them. Uh, Christina Sia Peterson is an award-winning <laughs> executive director of the Half Double Institute, and she's also the co-founder of that Half Double methodology. With a passion to help improve project management performance all around the world, Christina is determined to help the industry improve outcomes. Welcome back to Level Up, Christina. Great to see you again. Great to be here again, Nick. Thank you for having me once more. Thank you so much. Eileen Roden joined us. Um, of course, she's a regular contributor to Level Up and is the co-founder of the House of PMO. And she's co-authored the PMO Competency Framework. Eileen is an active networker and holds a fellowship of the UK Association for Project Management and regularly speaks, of course, at conferences and runs workshops and so on. So welcome back, Eileen. Really great to see you. Hi, Nick. Thanks for the welcome. Um, great to be here. And as ever, um, very willing to help people who want to uh, develop a career in, in PMOs. Absolutely. And that's what today is all about. Sabajit Bose rejoins us. He's over in Singapore and is the owner, of course, and managing director of cyber services. And if there's ever a community to embrace a good a template and a good way of working, it's Sarbajit's customers. So um, he's a keynote speaker and an award-winning facilitator and coach in a wide range of project development and management disciplines. Welcome back to Level Up, Sarbajit. Thank you, Nick, and thank you for your team and everyone in the panel. And I am delighted to be back once again and also to value add to all our listeners across the globe. Okay, thank you so much. Stuart Dixon joins us. He's a director over at EHC Consulting. His career experience includes working in, running, and actually establishing PMOs. And he's currently designing and running a resource management consultancy for a multinational organization. An author in his own right, Stuart's PMO service catalog book is seen by many as a definitive text. Welcome to Level Up, Stuart. Thank you for having me, and it's, it's good to hear, be here and share my experiences with your audience. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much indeed. We're going to be learning a lot from each other today. Robert Snyder uh, joins us. He is the founder, of course, and president at Innovation Elegance, where his career has spanned technical project change and sales enablement roles. Always looking to build positive outcomes. I think it's fair to say he really does inspire others with his quiet confidence and situational leadership. So welcome back to Level Up, Robert. Thank you, Nick. Delighted to be here. Excellent. Okay, well, great. I can see lots of folks joining in the chat already. So we've got a big audience online, which is brilliant to see from all over the world. Our question master and completing our on-screen group today is Charlotte Miller. As a little bit of a change, because um, I think Suchitra is on her holidays today, public holiday over in India. So she's got up early and is joining us from the Thames Valley in the UK. Welcome back, Charlotte. Thank you so much, Nick. Uh, good to see everybody and uh, looking forward to this fantastic, ever popular topic. Okay, excellent. Well, in that case, I think we should jump right in if we can. Uh, Charlotte, may we have our first question to the panel, please? Yes, of course. Our first question is from Mansoor. How can I get into a project management office job for the first time? And what do I do in order to start? <clears throat> Okay. All right. Well, why don't we get going and we'll take uh, Robert first and then Christina. The words that came to my mind were crawl, walk, run and mingle so that you can move from the role of a spectator to being a part of the team as quickly as your comfort zone allows and as quickly as the PM, the existing PMO uh, can welcome your contributions. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Short and, short and sweet. Let's um, hear from Christina, then we'll go to Eileen. Yes, I think I'd like to approach the question a little bit differently, very practical. What kind of fields do you usually come from going into a PMO? Now, um, what I've seen in the six PMOs I've run is that sometimes it is a project manager who shows an interest in the portfolio management, the strategy, the resource management. It can also be uh, someone more analytical that comes from finance, uh, that goes into the role maybe as a PMO uh, specialist or a PMO uh, analyst. So there are several ways into the, uh, into the PMO. But what you have to realize if you're a project manager is that, in my experience, the job in the PMO is quite different. So it's not necessarily overlapping or a natural career development to go from a project manager into a PMO. So you have to be aware of that if you're a project manager and are thinking about going into the PMO. Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Eileen, your thoughts, please. Then we'll go to Stuart. Hi. Well, I think there's a number of different uh, routes into the PMO and it depends on what level you're at in terms of seniority. Um, coming in at a very junior level, um, PMO administrator, there's an awful lot of transferable skills that you can use from any other part of the organisation. Um, 
coming in as an analyst, having some project management experience or some project management or a foundation project management examination like Praxis would be um, really helpful. Coming in as a PMO manager, um, then having some project management experience, but also some team leading is obviously useful. But actually what we're finding really interesting, coming in at a very senior level, having some business experience, being a portfolio office manager, having some business experience and understanding where the organisation can use projects to improve and deliver its strategy is really helpful. And so, again, it depends on which level, right from junior, right from senior. And the House of PMO and APMG have got some really good essentials qualifications, which are about kind of giving you that kind of first step into kind of jumping into the PMO, whatever level is, is appropriate for you. What a good point, you know, because there's a, such a broad spectrum, you know, of this and panel, everybody building on this is giving me a sense here, really, that, that there really could be something for an awful lot of folks in a career and as part of a PMO. Um, so thank you very much indeed. Um, Stuart, your thoughts, and then we'll go to Sarbajit. So what I think you need is curiosity. So... The best of PMOs I've worked with have been curious and they've always wanted to know things and know people and are connected with the organisation. So the skills that I've seen being really valuable are people who've been well connected within the organisation so that they know not necessarily who to speak to initially, but who to speak to to find the right person to speak to. And that's not a, a skill necessarily that you can learn. It's just about where you are and absorbing things within the organisation. And I'd like to go back to Eileen's one as well, is when you get up to the more senior level, is understanding what the business wants and how the PMO can be positioned, especially if you're in a leader position, how the PMO can be positioned to best help that organisation succeed. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much, Sarbajit. And then we'll go back to Robert. Right. Uh, well, what I was supposed to say has been spoken by most of us here. But I would like to uh, let you know that, uh, Mansoor, every one of us is a project manager. And even at home, we are we are a PMO. We always need to plan our resources. We always need to see how much we have and work, and we want to do better. So in an organization, today's date, every organization almost is a projectized organization and not the old-style one. So there are a lot of opportunities, and perhaps in your organization, look for them, grab them, and prepare yourself before they come by, and then you excel on that, whatever role you get, and then you can proceed from there. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Sarbajit. There's a little bit of this in everybody, and I love that quote. So I'm going to remember that. Thank you so much. Uh, Robert, your thoughts? I wanted to piggyback on Stuart's comment about curiosity. What came to my mind is I, I think it's valuable to, when, you, when you're scoping out a PMO role, demonstrate your affinity and your passion for work that's at a different altitude. I think many PMO specialists can come from a single project role. And if they want to tiptoe or, or rush into a cross project role, I think um, Stuart's point about curiosity, passion and appreciation for uh, cross project discipline is a really great point. 
just again piggybacking off curiosity yeah and i i love that i love that so it's so good today panel thank you so we've got two great quotes already um so seek out work at a different altitude that's a lovely metaphor i think because you're right as an individual contributor we're working at one kind of altitude if you like and then when we're starting to think about work that's happening around us you know the wind may be blowing slightly differently okay depending on the altitude that you're in so uh, very good thank you so much let's jump over to the audience then i can see a huge number of people online mohammed uh, welcome back um joining us from afghanistan so thank you for joining us today uh, my friend great to see you and um we have stella who's joining from east africa from the beautiful city of nairobi over there in kenya um great to have you online and ishmael is joining us um once again from Greater Manchester. So regular viewer, actually, Ishmael. And uh, Robert, uh, Robert Rennie joins us from Troon in um, Scotland, uh, a fabulous part of the world. If you've not had the opportunity to visit, I thoroughly recommend it. So excellent. Thank you so much as we span the world today on Level Up. Um, we've got lots of questions stacking up as well, Charlotte. So I think we should move on. Let's take our next question to the panel, please. Thanks, Nick. Our next question is from Mark David. When should an organisation look at establishing a project management office? Well, um, <laughs> I think everybody's going to have a view on this. Eileen, why don't you start us off, please, and then we'll hear from Christina. Well, I think we're going to have to address the elephant in the room sooner or later, which is what we mean by a project management office, because in some organisations, that means a particular office put in place to support one big project. And so in those situations, we'd be looking at establishing a project office when a project was um, so big, the project manager isn't able to do all of those project management activities on their own and needs some support uh, with that role. Um, so the project manager would always remain accountable for all of the project management uh, role, but they would have a project office to kind of do perhaps some look after the plan, look after the risk register, etc. In other organisations, what they mean by a project management office is a central office that looks after the standards um, and supports projects across the organization and in which case uh, the best time to establish those is when you're starting to do projects in different parts of the organization project managers or people are working on projects in more than one department and therefore having a consistent approach is going to be helpful to that organization thank you very much indeed some great advice there eileen thank you very much indeed uh, christina your thoughts please then we'll go to stuart Yes, uh, thank you, Eileen, for clearing that up. I think it was necessary to talk about the different types of project management offices and be aware some people might call it a program management office and it is still a project management office. So you can't really know by the name that the organization give it. You have to analyze what that office does. And uh, what I want to address is what Eileen calls sort of more of an enterprise-wide project management office, so not for a single project. And, and I would agree with Eileen, it's, it's about when you have enough cross-departmental complexity that you need to somehow get an overview of the portfolio, when you need to get an overview of resources that can be allocated to several projects at the same time, and you can't 
sort of counted on two hands. That's when a project management office could become uh, necessary. And uh, I always say when, when I start project management offices, it's about doing the right projects and doing them right. Those are the two main uh, roles I see in a project management office. So doing the right projects is about portfolio management and doing them right is about maintaining the standards uh, so that projects are run in somewhat similar ways across the organization. Yeah, really good points about trying to get that right fit at the right time, isn't it? Thank you so much. Uh, Stuart, and then we'll go to Robert. So I'm going to take this on the project management office because I do know that there is a difference between that and the, the portfolio one. So if you want a project management office, and I'm going to include program in this, so to support a single venture, and I know a program is a series of projects um, to deliver a, a specific goal, I would suggest that an organisation would look to do that when it is well known that this is going to be a significant investment for the organisation. So if you're talking 20% of the budget on projects, then you would need some support from a project management office in order to make sure that things are done correctly, like your risks, your issues, your, your changes, and the, the general governance, are probably the finances as well, depending on whether your organisation does finances, because some do and some don't. So I would suggest it's when you've got a significant investment. If you've got an, um, 300 projects running, um, and each one of them takes five weeks, you don't need a PMO. Okay. All right. Thank you very much indeed. There's some strong guidance there. Robert, your thoughts? I'm going to focus on the word when, and the word that came to my mind is tipping point. So at some point as an organization grows, you might start to hear phrases like, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing or there might be a sentiment of, we are reinventing the wheel. So I believe a PMO is worth establishing when decentralized work, the light bulb goes on to say, we could really centralize this to reduce costs. So as the, the size of the organization grows, as the scale and the quantity of projects grows, then you hit that tipping point to justify um, specialization and centralization of the PMO work. Tipping point is is so important and recognizing those symptoms um, of when your organization is starting to struggle. Okay. And ideally recognizing the symptoms before they happen and having a having a view as to how it might actually help. So there's there's I would suggest uh, it's never too early, all right, to consider, you know, establishing these. And um the right thing to do is actually build up your understanding and your knowledge so that you can help help out, help colleagues out and, and add more value in in less of the time. All right, very good. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Now, if you're in the audience and I can see we've got a huge audience online today. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are actually about the questions themselves. Um, if you've got answers to share, then we're all here to learn. So just type those into the chat. And of course, put your question in directly to the panel. Ella will pick it up and she'll transfer it into the question platform for the panel to be able to see. Charlotte, on that note, let's move on, please. And we'll take our next question to the panel.
Thanks, Nick. We've got a live question that's coming from one of our audience uh, viewers, uh, Robert Rennie. Uh, I think he's from Troon. Robert asks, how can we get more folks into project management roles? Is there a high demand? All right. Well, there's certainly strong demand for great people. Sabajit, you work with a lot of organisations. Are they still struggling to, you know, build that competency baseline, if you like, more people understanding project management in the right way? Yeah. I mean, there are two parts of the story. One is there could be a high uh, expectation that the project manager does it all and uh, owns everything end to end. And there are something where project manager is supposed to be just a subject matter expert who just comes in, does some work, and then goes back. Now, I would say the actual ideal project manager should be somewhere in between. Uh, Should not be too technical, must understand the background, but also must understand the business because that is why we need someone to manage the project. And the project is to deliver value to our customers. So, yeah, many companies um, do struggle to get a right person in but because the right person has to have some characteristics, some qualities which doesn't come so easily. And especially the people characteristics which are soft skills, which you cannot just train someone to get into. You can be a project manager trained or you may be trained in finance or uh, you may be trained in other methodologies. But have this so the people skill is a very key thing. However, you can also get those skills, you know, build up over years. And today I will believe in every organization there is some some place to build those up. And if people are um or have their eyes and ears open, then of course they will be able to find those opportunities to make it better for them. Thank you so much, Sabajit. Thank you. I, I think that you're right. You know, you're looking for people from, with with different skill sets. You know, great project managers. They they're not all the same at all. They're very different personalities, very different characters, come from very different backgrounds. So, you know, if you have that mix and the excitement and the, you know, the desire, I think, you know, then there's an opportunity for you. Eileen, what are your thoughts on helping more people get into project management roles? So it's really interesting because we're talking about PMO today and as to whether, you know, kind of Robert's talking about people coming into kind of project management roles per se or project being a project manager or being a PMO. And I think um, there are always, I think we're very fortunate now in that all organisations have uh, projects. Uh, they uh, from very small projects to large, complex uh, beasts that the organisations take on. So I think there is an opportunity in whatever industry you work in to get some experience of running projects and just the joy of being involved in the project management community. And I think then there's a some interesting choices as to whether you want to go into project management and run projects or whether you want to go into PMO and actually kind of work in the infrastructure and the ecosystem within projects uh, within which the project managers work for their organisation. And I think that the beauty is, is that whatever part of the organisation we come from, there are significant significant transferable skills that we can bring into projects and the pay more competence framework will allow you to do an assessment in terms of kind of what uh, what you've already got can get you into that part of the um, that part of the uh, industry 
Yeah, absolutely right. And don't forget volunteering in that mix as well. You know, put yourself forward within your organisation, you know, and say, look, you know, I, I want to talk to other people. You know, how do how do, you're doing this? I'm, I'd really be interested in doing this and see what you can do, even if it's just a secondment for a period of time. Uh, Robert, final thoughts on this one? Then we're going to move on. If I read between the lines of Robert's question, the I hear the word unattractive as if PMO roles might be unattractive to some people. I think there's value in giving transparency to the why. What is the value of a PMO to make employees' lives simpler, more clear, more visible? And I believe there's a certain glamour to PMO roles. So again, if, if I'm interpreting his question, correctly about this this tinge of unattractiveness promote the glamour promote and, and be transparent about the why because it is it is a form of servant leadership that that when done well it really makes employees lives easier and more enjoyable i think this is the the thing i think people's perceptions of pmos are evolving and they're very different and the value that is brought by the pmo to the wider organization really is quite incredible when you think about what helps a project manager um, be seen to be delivering actually the pmo is, is a key enabler to be able to do that so you know when you're thinking about what makes the biggest difference really do think about the PMOs. Now, talking about community and bringing people together, then one of the things that you can do if you're watching us online is actually just to sign up for the newsletter of the Level Up Your Career um, community, uh, which gives you a summary of what's coming up over the coming weeks. And then you can plan your time accordingly to join us live and get the questions that you most want answered um, put in front of the panel. So please do do that. Um, Charlotte, I know that we've got lots of questions coming in now from our team online, our producers online. So let's take <laughs> our next question, please. Thank you very much. Um, next question is from Lunka. Why does resource management remain a challenge for a PMO, uh, sorry, project management office? For example, inconsistent resource allocations, unrealistic schedules and budgets. Okay, very good. Uh, Stuart, why don't you start us off, then we'll hear from Sarbujit. It's very simple. The devil is in the detail. So. At the highest level, it's quite simple. You have some roles, you want them filled, you want a long time forecast for the next three years, and then you, you go down and you have to dive into the detail. And the detail is inconsistent, uh, as is mentioned there. And people don't, as a project manager, ask any project manager and they will tell you, I can't tell you what's happening three weeks hence. So therefore, while you're asking me for a three-year schedule. So you have to have the detail in there. But what you want as a boss is you want a summary level, how many people do I need for the next three years? And there's that inconsistency between the detail and the summary. Thank you very much indeed. Great advice there. Um, Sarbajit, your thoughts? Then we'll hear from Christina. 
<clears throat> Thank you. Um, I would like to take Stuart's um, words a little further. Now, one thing is, it's always up to the customer to talk about what is their need, the timeline they're looking at, the budget that they are trying to look at, and all those things. Even the customers are not always very certain. And because the market also are volatile, the things are changing, we know that today, Six months is a strategic timeline, which used to be three years, five years back. So in the last five years, the strategic uh, timeline has come down from five to only six months. And beyond six months, no organization want to plan in a, in, in the, to get, achieve their objective and the, uh, the, the, you know, their vision. Sorry for that. And then if they do not know, of course, the customers who are going to serve them or internal, external, whatever, be the PMO or anything, they also don't have the clarity that how much of resource will be required, what time and how. So this is kind of a domino effect that happens. And as well, there are some time issues within the organization. If the organization is not properly projectized, if they don't have a means to record all the project and do have an appropriate tool to, pro, to, to try to find out how many resources they have and what are the skill set and where they can be used or what could be the budget that could be allotted, that there will be no <coughs> unity in there. And the, such things will always be a challenge for the PMO. But I don't know whether PMO can be blamed for it or not. Thank you. Well, I, I, I think sometimes <clears throat> the reaction of stakeholders is to uh, imply blame, all right, rather than necessarily to seek the understanding of uh, what are the assumptions, what are the what is the premise upon which the resource plan is actually being run, and you know there it's a different thing. So, I I would hope that in the maturing organisations it's not so much about blame these days as more about trying to underlie, uh, sorry, identify the underlying issues that are contributing to either the choke points or alternatively the um, oversupply. Very rare that have a project say project manager saying, oh, "I've got so many people and not enough for them to do." That's very, very rare, isn't it? Okay, let's move on if we can. Uh, Christina, your thoughts, please. And then we'll go to Robert. Yes, uh, I agree with uh, my fellow panelists or what has been said, and and there's a very simple answer to Lumka's question: Why does resource management remain a challenge? Because it's bloody hard. That's the, <laughs> that's the simple answer. And it's not just resource management in the PMO, it's resource management in the individual projects. So it accumulates up into the PMO. Um, and projects are always going to be pushed for budget. They, of course, the stakeholders want as much value in the shortest possible time with the fewest resources. And I think what the PMO can is provide a bridge to at least give some transparency and, of course, help the projects with their resource planning on an overall level. But resource management is a, a major uh, challenge. So uh, it's, it's just really hard to get right. 
Thank you so much indeed. It is very, very tricky indeed. And of course, relies on an open and honest projection. And human beings aren't really that great at projections, are we? We're, we're used to looking in the rearview mirror to try and figure out what's in front of us. And uh, as the sticker has always told us, the object in the mirror may be closer than you think. So let's hear from Robert your thoughts, and then we'll go to Stuart. <laughs> This question is perfect for one of my favorite quotes. And, and that quote is, execution's two best friends are simplicity and transparency. When, uh, when this challenge persists, I believe that most companies, most project teams have a lot of room for more. They, they could try a lot harder to simplify and to make these things more transparent. That requires vulnerability. It requires humility. Those are not easy, but unless you are fiercely striving for simplicity and transparency, resource management and other exercises are going to remain a challenge. They are indeed, and and that transparency also means that, you know, I agree with you. It is a vulnerable thing. People like certainty, don't they? You know, and and they 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 back the people that are able to predict the future accurately. But the reality is, is that we have a confidence factor around any future prediction of of resource requirement, and much of that is going to flex depending on a whole variety of variables, which are often not directly in control uh, within the project. They they are influenced by the project, but they're not necessarily directly in control of the project. Stuart, uh, final thoughts on this. I'm going to offer a completely different view here. I'm going to introduce a term called SPODs, single point of dependency. So in any organization, there are about five or 10 people who are the most important people in your organization. Without them, the, the company does not function. What you need to do is you don't need to control everybody within your organization, whatever that organization is. You need to control those 10 people and what they are doing because they are the most 10 important people in your organization. So don't resource manage everybody um, with the budgets and the schedules and everything. Just work on what those 10 people are doing and make sure they're doing the right things for your organization. It's a, a radical view, I know, but I, sometimes I like to be radical. Yeah, well, I, I, I think... <laughs> I think radical, being radical is a being at the heart of the matter. And you're right, I think, to prioritize those critical resources, the critical path to resource, if you like, um, that uh, is going to most impact um, the progression of the project. So from that perspective, it makes absolute sense to me. Thank you very much indeed, panel. And what a great um, question. Really got us into thinking about that linkage between the project itself and the theoretical plan and the reality of you need people, you need resources, you need rooms, capability, equipment, tech, servers, cloud, storage, and all of those other resources that are required you know, into a project to arrive on time and in a proper fashion. Daniel is joining us from uh, Meduguri in northeast Nigeria. Welcome, Daniel. Great to have you online today. Looking forward to your contribution in the chat. And uh, Junior joins us as well from um, the Dominican Republic. 
of the Congo. Um, uh, sorry, Democratic Republic of the Congo. I do apologise, um, uh, Jeannie. Uh, Bina joins us. She's joining us from Bradford here in the UK, in the northeast of England. Um, so thank you very much for joining. And uh, at the other end of the UK is Gwen Benson, um, who is here in Surrey, of course, quite close to uh, London and our capital city. So thank you very much, everybody who is online. It's great to see some of the commentary in the chat. We've got a few questions which are slightly off topic so with your patience um uh social team we're going to be working through those um for you and see what we can do um but meanwhile on the subject of developing your career within the pmo um it would be really great um for us to take the next question charlotte for the panel thanks nick um one of the questions i was going to ask has already been answered in the last question so i'm going to change a little bit and ask for um andy's question who asks are there any senior level pmo roles oh well there absolutely are andy and i think this is a great question to ask because the thing is people don't want to be typecast do they so they want to have a career beyond just an entry point and um, eileen you've been growing and developing people, competency and capability in project management office roles for many years. What are your thoughts about that career progression? Well, I think it's what's been really interesting is that when I started off um, in PMO uh, uh, several years ago now, um, the interesting thing was most people went in the PMO, so when they developed, they kind of came out and were a project manager or a program manager. I think that's definitely reversed. And we have people uh, like myself and like Stuart who use the PMO as, you know, to kind of support their whole life career. And there are kind of uh, incremental roles within the PMO. But what's really interesting with the um, increasing um commonality of having somebody called a PMO director um we're actually seeing people who who will have an operational role for a lot of their career and coming in to that very kind of senior PMO director role now that PMO director role doesn't have to be necessarily be a project or program specialist but what they do need to do is understand the contribution projects make to the delivery of strategy and the role of the PMO director is there to look at how best can the organization use project management to sit alongside business as usual activity to really kind of drive the organization's strategy forward so a very senior level role reporting into the board and advising the board on how best to look after their portfolio of change Thank you very much indeed. Some great advice there. Uh, thank you, Eileen. Uh, Christine, your thoughts? And then we're going to go to Stuart. I agree with uh, exactly what Eileen said. Uh, and of course, what is your definition of a senior role? Um, how senior? Uh, but uh, yes, of course, there are senior PMO roles. If the PMO is taken seriously in an organization, you, you can grow it almost unlimited. Uh, I'm a good example of, of that, that you started off as head of PMO, then the PMO grew, then you became a director of PMO, then you went into a more strategic role. So, uh, for instance, uh, a VP of project management is also common, and they may have the PMO 
but also be the manager of the most senior project managers. And, and once you get into that role, you get very, very close to the strategy level and, and what goes on with the CEO and the board. And what I've experienced personally is after the VP of project management, I was appointed chief of staff, which is probably like second in command of any large company. And I think the PMO is, is perfectly suited to actually really give your career a boost because you get so close to uh, the strategic levels of running the company. So I would certainly recommend that to anyone who has the talent and the wherewithal to, um, to grab that chance. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Christina. Uh, Stuart, your thoughts, then we'll go to Robert. So I'd like to reflect on what Christina has said. It's uh, when you move up to the senior levels, you stop having the PMO title and you become more involved in the strategy and the direction of the company. And what the PMO can offer is they actually know everybody in the company, or a good PMO will do. So therefore they've got that wide experience. What does the company want to do? What does it need to deliver? And therefore they can help. So the senior roles are definitely there and it's about grabbing those opportunities when they come. Okay, thank you very much indeed. And Robert, final thoughts on this one? I think this question is worth uh, going directly to the C-suite and, and understanding what C-suite roles are closest to a senior level PMO role. 10 or 20 years ago, we might have used the term chief information officer. And more recently, I've heard chief technology officer at my recent employer there was a newly formed role title, Chief Transformation Officer. And I felt that that CTO, Chief Transformation Officer, was absolutely synonymous with a senior level PMO role. So I, I think this question is, is worth exploring how, you know, over the last few decades, the C-suite titles have evolved. And so regardless of which direction you come from, um, yeah, I think that the C-suite is a is a good place to look for where uh, senior PMO roles reside. Thank you very much indeed, Robert. Some great advice there to everybody. Thank you, panel, for your thoughts on that. Um, Charlotte, if we can, let's move on. We'll take our next question for the panel. Thanks, Nick. Our next question is from Ruth. Why would someone choose a project management office as a career over being a project manager? Oh, it's just so much more fun. So much more fun is the short and easy answer to that one. Um, Sarbajit, why don't you start us off? And uh, then actually we're going to jump across to um, Robert next, actually. Yeah. Right. Um, well, the project managers are there to manage projects and to deliver value to the customer. Now, that is uh, delivering of value is standard across the organization and everywhere. But what is important today is that to transform the organization to a different structure and to do it digitally. Now, PMO has one big role in it and that's what was just spoken by my good friend uh, just now in the previous question that PMO is uh, synonymous to transformation. So it is and it is an upcoming and happening role and uh, a, 
a function area to work with and it's also fun and challenging so ruth if i guess that you are someone who likes to have challenge who wants to work hard and wants to show results and excel in career so i would think pmo should be the choice over just becoming just a project manager Okay, thank you so much um, indeed. Uh, Robert, your thoughts, please, then we'll go to Stuart. At the risk of being a little provocative with this answer, in a word, frustration. I believe that someone who's working in individual projects that sees too much reinventing of the wheel and is inspired and motivated and passionate to keep costs down and minimize reinventing the wheel. Um, I believe that's a reason to pursue PMO roles, PMO jobs, PMO careers, uh, as opposed to being siloed within individual projects. Okay, thank you very much indeed. It's a really great point about your perspective and where you're going to feel most comfortable. Uh, Stuart, your thoughts, then we'll hear from Eileen. <clears throat> For me, the word is variety. So within a PMO, there are lots of different things you, you can do, and you can still call yourself a PMO person. You can specialize in something, or you can be a bit more generalist. The, the other thing I've always said is being a project manager is a bit like being a racehorse with the blinkers on. So you, you go down, you're, you're there for the, the deadline, you need to be there at the end of the race, whereas the PMO are the kind of people who would walk and talk to everybody. They'll get to the, the end, don't, don't you worry, but they'll have also met half the people on the race course by the, before they got to the end. So you can get to do the socialising bit. You see everybody in the organisation. Um, there aren't many jobs where you you can speak to the receptionist and the CEO. And PMO gives you that ability to speak to everybody at all levels in the organisation. So variety. Thank you so much. Eileen, final thoughts on this? I definitely agree with um, Stuart in terms of the variety of people you get to interact with on a day-to-day -day basis uh, with your role. But I think uh, the interesting bit for me and where I certainly get my kick is where actually you can really make a difference across the whole organisation. So great from a project manager's perspective, you know, you can really do a delivery in, really, in a targeted area, you can make a difference to the organisation. Where I get my kick for being in PMO is just because I can make the whole organisation just work easier. So definitely kind of oiling the wheels um, of the people who are working in and around projects. So that's not just the project managers, that's people who are working on the project teams, that's the kind of the business as usual people who are receiving those projects. And just that kind of helping the world uh, be an easier place for people to work is, is what gives me my kick. All right, excellent. There you go. A little bit of insight into each of us there and uh, what makes us tick and where we get our greatest um, uh, benefit, if you like, from the roles that we do at work. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed, panel. Let's move on. We've got time, I think, for one or two more questions, Charlotte, but we might need to hurry. Thanks, Nick. We have got a live question from Assumpta. Oh, how do I migrate from a technical background to a mental health background and have my previous experience still count? Will I become a PMO or a PMP? 
Okay, well, it's a great question, Assumpter, because we get a lot of folks thinking about changing careers. You know, they've worked in one discipline and they want to move into another one. And um, with your patients, I think what we're going to do is we're going to come back to you more one-to-one on this specific question. However, there's a related thought in my mind, which is how important is it within a PMO to recognize and value and deliver mental health and well-being services out to project teams. Um, what are our thoughts on that, please, panel? Um, does the PMO become the hub for you know, providing that kind of service, providing that kind of support? Uh, Eileen, your thoughts, and then Christina. Okay. Um, because, you know, going back to kind of what we've already talked about, the PMO mixes with an awful lot of people across the whole organisation. We often find that the PMO can under, um, recognise where certain people are under uh, an amount of stress and therefore um, need some mental health support. And we know a lot of PMOs where the PMO have um, mental health first aiders and it becomes part of their role around the organisation. So it wouldn't be the first time um, that that had happened and we can definitely kind of give you some contacts if you want some support in doing that. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Christina, your thoughts and then we'll go to Robert. Yes, <clears throat> I agree uh, very much. Um, and. I always try to say that the PMO has a very delicate balance between support and control. Yes, the PMO is there in some element to control the status of the project, the resources, but it can never get in the way of the support. So once, if the project management office is regarded mostly as control, they will not gain the trust uh, of the project managers where they will come to the PMO when their project is in trouble. So therefore, being uh, a mental uh, health support, always being there to help, to cheer on, to be an advocate for the project managers is a prerequisite for being a good PMO. If I had to choose between support and control, I would always uh, choose uh, support because that is the prerequisite to be able to get a um, clear picture of the status of the project. If you are in too much focus on control, you get what I call watermelon projects. I don't know if any on the panel have heard of those. They are uh, uh, red on the inside, but green on the outside. And, and that is the PMO's worst nightmare is not getting accurate uh, status from the projects. <laughs> Absolutely. When you're doing your red, amber, green reporting, things can look good. But when you dig under the surface, actually, they're not as good as you might imagine. Robert, final thoughts, and then we'll move on. I think that PMOs can be instrumental to reducing and combating VUCA. And what would what kind of event panel would we be without mentioning that acronym VUCA, right? For those in the audience not familiar with VUCA, it stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and amb ambiguity. And I believe a, a PMO is really helping an organization's mental health when you improve clarity, you improve sanity, you, you cut the noise, you reduce noise, priority whiplash. These are, these are all things that a PMO can absolutely be instrumental to, to combat VUCA and to um, be very, you know, directly or indirectly, subtly or overtly attentive to employees' mental health. 
Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed. And Asumta, thank you for raising it because, you know, um, it does sound to me like, you know, you have an aptitude for um, uh, and an interest in kind of whole mental health area. And if you're working in a technical role at the moment, you feel that you could add value to your project management office because of that empathy, then that's a really great place to, um, to go. All right. Excellent. So thank you for raising it. And also, I think, you know, to the panel's point and Christina's commentary around support over control being the thing, um, if if you have this sixth sense almost that you can develop where it's more a feeling than based on evidence, you know, around uh, the health of a project or the stress level of a project team, then actually your may, radar may well be tuning in where other people may not be. So um, don't ignore those feelings. Always share them with other people. Very good. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed, uh, panel. Charlotte, let's take our final question for today. Thanks, Nick. Our last question is from Ron Julian. Are there any specific qualification for PMO roles? Well, there are plenty, I think, out there to choose from um, when you're thinking about converting you know your aptitude into evidence to be able to share with colleagues within your organization or as part of your application you know to other organizations for certain roles it's definitely worthwhile considering taking some structured learning and getting yourself some evidence uh, that you both understand and can practice in that particular discipline eileen your thoughts on this and then we'll go to robert well, I think I'd be doing APMG and the House of Payment Order Service if I didn't uh, highlight the qualifications that came out um, last year uh, based on the um, Payment Competency Framework. So um, recognising four different levels of roles, the administrator, the analyst, the manager and the director, APMG have got four certifications aimed at people who are wanting to move into those roles called the House of PMO Essentials for uh, the roles. So there is a, a qualification that's not necessarily talking about APMO the PMO does, but actually what you need to be able to work actively at any one of those four roles in, a, in an organisation. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, Robert, final thoughts? Uh, while I can piggyback off Eileen's comment, I am uh, a huge consumer of the House of PMO and a month religiously every month I'm attending their hot house event. So if anyone does has not is not exposed to that event, I really encourage you to check out House of PMO and the the monthly meeting hot house. It's fun and um, just incredibly enjoyable. Uh, back on the question, what came to my mind is uh, as a qualification. If you're involved in a project, you are more apt to have heads down work. And I believe that in a PMO, it is much more heads up work. So I, I think that's just a valuable paradigm. Where So it's less of a formal qualification or certification. It's do you have a preference to help the organization in a heads down manner or a heads up manner? And PMO roles, in my experience, have, are, tend to be more heads up in nature. 
Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Well, what a great question to finish off what has been a fantastic event today, talking all about project management um, offices, the roles, responsibilities, growth that they have available to them. So let's get some feedback from the panel on today's event. Um, we'll walk around in order. So Christine, we'll come to you first and then Robert next. Yes, uh, I want to thank my fellow panelists for very insightful uh, answers. Uh, I think we got around many questions that attack the PMO, both from a top-down and, and bottom-up perspective. So I have learned something today as well. So thank you to everybody who participated. It's certainly true, isn't it? Level up is a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic experience for all of us to learn from each other. So thank you, Christina. Thank you for your contribution today. It's been really excellent. Uh, Robert, your thoughts on today's event, then we'll go to Stuart. I'd encourage the audience to consider their, their appetite and their passion for the altitude of work that they want to do. Project specific, is heads down is, is much is a lot of heads down work and PMO work is a lot of heads up work. So um, it, early in a career, we might be encouraged to think big picture, and PMO roles really help formalize those skills to think and act and and contribute big picture. Thank you very much indeed. And it's such a privilege, isn't it, to have that high altitude view across the organisation and working in the PMO certainly gives you that privileged position. Um, Stuart, your thoughts on today, please, then we'll hear from Eileen. So <clears throat> I agree I um, as much um, from answering the questions as the other panellists listening to them. The one advice I would give to any PMO, prospective PMO, is go and join some volunteer groups. Um, it's all been already mentioned about the, the House of PMO and their, their hot house at the end of the, each month, but there are other ones out there. So go and find a volunteer group. Go and go outside of your organisation. If you're only a PMO of one or two people, you're only going to learn from the people in your organisation. So go out and speak to other people. Go out and find out how other organisations do it. And you'll be surprised how much they have exactly the same pain as you do. Thank you very much indeed, um, Stuart. Excellent. Uh, Eileen, your thoughts, and then we'll go to Sarbajit. I still think the PMO is the best place in the world to work. I wouldn't want to work anywhere else. Um, and I think the great news is, is that, you know, there are jobs there for anybody at whatever level. Uh, to work in the PMO. And, and I still think, you know, even if you want to become a project manager or a program manager, it's a great way to start your training for that too. Absolutely, absolutely. And it is, as Eileen says, it's a fantastic role. Okay, it's a fantastic position in the organisation. Um, you're right at the heart of so much. Uh, Sabajit, your thoughts? Well, thank you so much, um, everyone from the panel and also the question that came in. Well, um, if uh, even if PMO is not my strength area, but then we have all worked. And now at the end of my career, I learned that PMO is the best place to work. So I think I'm going to start all over again. 
<laughs> okay, well, I'm glad that we've excited you to have a look and explore some new career opportunities, Sabrina. But thank you for doing what you do. You help so many people, so many countries. We really appreciate it. Um, Charlotte, your reflections on today. Thanks, Nick. Um, thank you to, um, as I say in the chat, thank you to our viewers. We can't produce these amazing shows with such brilliant content without the viewers submitting their questions and to our brilliant panellists who give up their time and their knowledge um, to produce such fantastic shows. So thank you so much to all of our panel. And to you and Nigel, Nick. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> on behalf of uh, our producers online panel, thank you so much for all of your time today and your answers and so on. And to everybody in the audience, as Charlotte mentions, you are the producers of the show. It's your questions that drive the entire conversation. Now, over on our website, you may, of course, search for answers to more than 2,000 previously answered questions. It's absolutely free and it connects you with more than 250 experts from around the world now isn't that incredible um, don't forget that you may also listen to the audio versions of every show on your preferred podcast platform um, just search for APMG International and then level up your career coming up this Friday on the 6th of October we're going to be exploring how to break into modern service management and a quick shout out actually to those people who are involved in the PRM Connect event, which um, is running actually from the 8th to the 11th of October over on the west coast of the US in Portland up in Oregon. Monday the 9th, back here, we're exploring how to deliver double the value in half of the time on projects. It's a must-watch episode for everybody who's involved in projects and programs. So do make a note of that. Monday the 9th, same time, 8 a.m. UK. Please um, put that in your calendar. And if you want a personal summary, of course, of what's coming up so that you can schedule in your own time to join us, um, then just uh, ask to register and we'll send you that personal summary on a weekly basis. Thanks very much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you.